Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. Uh, I'm Brad Myers, the Adult Ministries Pastor at Faith Bible Church, and I am pleased to say that I'm joined again by one of our volunteer non-staff elders here at Faith Bible Church, David Watson. David, thanks so much for being willing to step onto the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brad. Now, David, I'm really excited for this week's episode. I'm excited to talk about what I know is a particular passion of yours, the gospel and work. Uh, But before we get into that, and before we continue this series, I'd like our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. Um, So if you can, do your best. Give me your one-minute testimony, uh, the story of how Christ brought you to a saving knowledge of Him. Sure. Well, I grew up in a Christian home uh, right here in Lincoln, and so from my parents' faithful teaching and the teaching I received at church, I came to know Christ at an mm-hmm. early age, and that's been a real blessing, uh, and I've just kind of gradu- gradually grown throughout my life and, and really laid hold of my faith in, in high school and, and college and, and continued, to, uh, continued to grow from there. And then in, um, right after college, I had a great pastor in Omaha by the name of Matt Shada, who really took me under his wing and discipled me one-on-one for a couple years. We'd meet every week, go through the Word, and I just saw what it really looked like to study God's Word, mm. pray, and, and walk by faith. Amen. Amen. And then obviously, uh, you, you end up here at Faith Bible Church. Um, I know you were here for a period of time before you became an elder at Faith Bible. Explain to the listeners kind of that road. How did you become an elder here at Faith? You know, honestly, I taught a group of men that Pastor Tom invited me to teach one time. <laughs> there we go. And after teaching, I think he thought, oh, he can teach. Ah. And uh, so then Pastor Tom mentioned to me at some point becoming an elder, and, and I didn't talk to him much about it. And at some point, the elders must have spoken about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mark Powell, I think, had lunch with me and, and asked me to consider it. But honestly, I was just trying to do faithful ministry and disciple people and teach people. And, uh, and then it, it just kind of kind of happened. Mm. It's a good reminder of that that recognition of who is shepherding the body, and then kind of a, a appointing them to that elder position. Uh, it's a, it's a great opportunity. And I know last week Mark talked a little bit about him and uh, and and his process becoming an elder. You you would have been a little bit after that. How long have you been an elder at Faith Bible? Ah, great question, Brad. Um, I want to say eight, nine, maybe nine years, eight or nine years. Okay, Somewhere so it would have been there. shortly after Mark became an elder, yeah. um, but a little bit behind him on that. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, and then secondarily, or lastly, uh, what's a favorite verse of yours? Aside from Psalm 16, everyone <laughs> heard a bit about that. What's a favorite verse of yours, and why is that so special to you? Well, it kind of links into what we're going to talk about in a yeah. sense, but my, my favorite verse comes from Philippians 2, verse 3. And it's, you know, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, 
consider others as more important than yourself. And uh, it's my favorite verse because it fundamentally changed how I approached business hmm. starting in, uh, in 2011. That verse really struck me um, hard, kind of like a dagger to the heart where it's one of those moments you realize I'm doing the exact opposite of what that verse is advising. <laughs> those moments, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, not that I was a, a bad guy or even on the outside, you'd have not thought I was doing anything wrong. But there was definitely selfish ambition in there. Hmm. And there was a way to to totally change how I was doing business. And so it that business, that, that verse is just my favorite because it's probably impacted my life, um, my actual behavior, you know, in this life, you know, quite, mm. quite a bit. Mm. Cool. And for listeners, for those of you that don't know David, he's, he's an entrepreneur. He started a, a couple of businesses. And that's part of the reason I was interested in having him in here, talking a little about leadership, talking about business, talking about work. Um, because listeners, over the last few weeks, if you've been with us, you know we've been walking through every aspect of life. And we've been talking about how what Scripture calls the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ impacts and has relevant impact on our lives today, in every area of our lives today. We've talked about the gospel and your identity. We've talked about the gospel and your marriage. And then last week, Mark stepped on and covered the gospel and your family. And this week, I'm really excited, David, to cover the gospel and your work with you. And I just want to start off um, by what may be familiar to you, but may not be familiar to a lot of our listeners, the Center for Faith and Work with Tim Keller's ministry. I love the statement, their purpose statement that they have on the front of their on the front of their website, and it talks about why they do what they do, and it relates to faith and work. And so I just want to start off with this, because I know both of us uh, have taken an interest in his ministry in this specific aspect. Uh, it says this, faith and work, we might see them as estranged, but in truth, they share a crucial aim, to see the unseen. Nothing new has been made without faith. Nothing unseen has been seen without work. When the force of what we do hits why we do it, we need, or we wither, or we flourish. We don't want to just examine that collision. We want to live in the intersection where it occurs, to celebrate what flies and to rethink what falls, to map, to explore, to create, to risk, and to fail better. Not just for a nicer nine to five, but to serve the city we belong to and love. It comes down to one key truth. Work matters, so do it well. And I know Tim Keller's ministry there and the Center for Faith and Work has had an impact on your ministry and your work as well. Uh, so let's get, us, let's get the ball rolling here a little bit, David. What does what the Bible calls the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, how does that intersect with what we believe about our work or our vocation? Sure. Well, going through business school, you learn that the purpose of a business is to maximize the present value of future cash flows. And while that might be the phrase for a business owner, there's a common phrase for an employee, and that's basically do what is going to make you the most money. <laughs> and, right. you know, and yes, so yes. They, you know, an employee might search for promotions and moving up the ladder, and a business owner might search for things that are going to grow the business and, and make them the most money. And the world sort of teaches that this is the right way to approach things. Now, it generally produces some pretty good outcomes in, in the world. And the, and the reason that is, I believe, our, our founders of our country recognize that people are sinful, <laughs> A part of the gospel, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, and, yes. And capitalism kind of works because people are <laughs> sinful. 
um, so long as there's competition. Mm. And so people are fighting for a bigger piece of the pie for themselves against each other. But in order to do that, they have to produce more value for somebody else. Mm. And so because of that competition, you know, maybe a business fighting against a business to win over customers, they actually work harder to better serve the customer and other people win. Mm. A Christian shouldn't need competition to achieve the same outcome. Mm. They should be driven to bring glory to God. And, and we know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is like it, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so our calling should be to love our neighbor regardless of whether there's competition mm. and to always you know, strive to serve them to the best of our abilities and when that's our mindset, it fundamentally changes everything you do in business and at work. Hmm. Go, into, go into that a little bit more because I love what you're talking about here is the, a paradigm that in some ways kind of takes advantage of the natural sinful nature in our own hearts. But obviously we recognize in the world that there's a improper outpouring of that. You know, there's the employee that is seeking to manipulate or take advantage of their company in the way they work. Or there's the, the the business leader, the business owner who's seeking to take advantage of his employees to maximize profit. So speak a little bit to how the, the believer in either of those situations would view their charge differently. Sure. Let me start with the employer, the business leader, because that's the seat I sit in and, and can speak to that, you know, fairly intelligently, or I, I think I can from the past. So in 2011, when I read that verse in Philippians 2, hmm. I began to ask myself, what does a business look like that considers others as more important than itself? And it looks very, very differently. So take your product, for example, as you're designing a product. I, I have looked at product invention and said, we need to create things that have not been created before. Mm. We want to win without competing because if the way to provide a greater blessing is to provide something that doesn't exist rather than to provide something that already does exist, mm. And, and so it, it supercharges our innovation, you know, uh, abilities and thinking with how we're going to approach creating things. And we, we can do that and not act in a monopolistic fashion if we create something that is a true monopoly essentially in the market. But we've, you know, I view, hey, we're going to provide a greater blessing if we can create things uh, that, that haven't been seen. Um, another example would be our, our marketing philosophy. Most companies' marketing focuses on self-promotion. But if you look at this and you say, hey, how can I provide the greatest blessing to others? We want our marketing experience, when anybody interacts with our marketing or our sales reps, for them to walk away having been blessed and learned. Mm -hmm. So instead of just self-promoting, we write educational materials or eBooks or blogs that are helpful. Or when we do a sales presentation and one of my companies will sell websites for apartment communities, we won't just sell the website. We'll also tell them what's wrong and broken on their current site. So that way they know what they need to fix 
um, whether or not they hire us. And so they learn mm-hmm. something from their interactions from us. And um, the irony is when people learn from you, they appreciate you more and trust <laughs> you and you actually end up selling more. But the intent was really, hey, how can we just provide a, a, a greater blessing uh, to our, our, our clients? So there's, there's a, a whole lot going on there that, you know, we could talk for longer than this podcast about all the aspects in business that is mm-hmm. impacted by this mindset of consider others as more important than yourself. Okay, so then take it and flip the script here a bit. That's business leaders innovating, um, promoting, marketing. Uh, how, how about on the other side? How about for an employee where the temptation is uh, to really take advantage of the company and the individuals you're working for and self-promotion, whether that's climbing the ladder or whether that's jumping between businesses, again, to maximize personal profit. How does the gospel come in and rewrite that script? Sure. So when you're thinking about yourself, you're not thinking about others, and it hinders your ability to provide value for other people. And so if you're an employee, there's a few, a couple groups primarily to serve. One is your customers, and the other is your colleagues. Mm. Um, so if we're thinking about how to serve our colleagues better and, and putting them in front, we're going to supercharge our, our team, and our team dynamics are going to be a lot a lot stronger and a lot healthier. People are going to want to come to work. They're going to want to work together. There's going to be unity. More progress is is going to happen. And same thing, if you're thinking about how to serve your customers better and your mindset is is there, you're going to come up with product ideas, better better service is going to get delivered, all, all kinds of things. And the irony here is that generally that kind of behavior actually leads to the promotions um, and and more money. But if your mindset is on the money, that kind of behavior, that doesn't lead to the right behaviors that actually causes somebody to grow mm. in their career. So you're, you're, you're better off literally for your career too, to just, you know, focus on serving others. But when your eye is on the money, usually the money flies away. I think there's like a, a proverb kind of on that. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's that classic example of something where if we shoot for the wrong target, we miss both. But yep. if we shoot for the right target, a lot of times we get some other things in addition to it. Um, I, I, love, I love the way you're painting this picture because in a lot of ways I see it in my own mind is going back to Genesis, you know, where God commands Adam and Eve, tend and take care of the garden. You know, use the creativity I've given, uses the image bearer-ness that I've mm-hmm. given you, use that innovate, create, expand over the face of the earth, do the sort of things you're talking about, create new things and, yeah. and that spark of the divine that you really mm-hmm. talk about in scripture that is lost in the fall, but redeemed through Christ, right? You know, lost in that now there's yep. enmity between people and we manipulate and we cheat each other to get ahead as opposed to the restoration of that innovation for the good of others and for the glory of God. I, 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 love, I love the way you're painting this picture. Okay, okay so I, I got to move on to our next subject here a little bit then. Philippians 2, you've already brought it up. That's one of the main passages that's defined work for you. Are there any other places in Scripture that kind of speak to this that maybe have informed how you think we should go about our work and the way we seek to glorify God in it? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the only way you're going to live out glorifying God or loving your neighbor as yourself, particularly loving your neighbor, is to actually know God. And I, I think of 1 John 2, mm. um, I think it's verses 3 and 4, talks about knowing God is a, 
key component to love. And a lot of people try to just grasp the principles of Christianity without knowing God. And, and so I, I think it's absolutely critical to know and enjoy God in your life. And then living out Christianity will be natural. So let me, let me give you an example on this as I, as I think about this. The gospel is, is, is really critical in, a, in another way, particularly for entrepreneurs, and, and that is your view of risk. So the Bible doesn't actually talk about risk. The, the word, I think, was invented around the 1500s or so. Mm. You know, the, what, what, what is the biblical view of risk? It's, it's the same as the biblical view of dating. It, it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, there is no biblical view of dating. Some might argue, but you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, agreed, agreed. And, and there is no biblical view of risk. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and you have to ask, why is that? And the, and the real reason is because our greatest assets are secure. The gospel has fully secured our greatest assets. Our eternity is secure. And, and the reason, you know, the way you start to understand that your greatest assets are secure is that you know the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, as uh, you know, the, the, the spirit, as, as Ephesians says, that the Holy Spirit is, is the, 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 the down payment essentially, you know, for our inheritance. We, we know we have an inheritance yeah. when we know, know God. And when we see that, it changes the script fully on how we view risk in, in the workplace. So doing what is right if you're an employee when you're asked to do what's wrong or, you know, serving people in a way that, you know, maybe you're not going to be as seen or it won't help you with the promotion. But I know my greatest assets are secure and the Lord is seeing all this. Mm. And so I have the ability to just do what is right because I'm serving the king, mm. not, not a boss or a company. Yeah. And trusting ourselves with the Lord, knowing that he's watching. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you've already started speaking a little bit to what I want to cover next too. I, I want to talk a little bit about practically. Practically, what does this look like? And you've shared some stories already, but go on with that. Uh, uh, some of the ideas of how this has worked out in your life and career, practically some decisions that have been made, um, both probably as you've been a leader and also as you've been an employee in certain environments as well. How does this change um, personally for you? You know, uh, one one interesting thing that I've noticed with people, and I noticed this historically with myself, is that our mood and demeanor and our attitude are impacted by momentum. Mm-hmm. So imagine this. You have no money, not you're, you're homeless, and you stumble upon $50,000 in cash. That person is going to be super happy and excited. And I can only imagine. I've, yeah. I've never been there, but yeah, yeah. Now imagine person number two is worth a hundred million dollars, and they lose eighty million. They're going to be super sad hmm. and potentially depressed, and you know, pretty worked up, even though they're worth. $20 million now. <laughs> Which would be good for a lot of us, but yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. And so the guy worth $50,000 is happier than the guy worth $20 million because 
momentum is the key. So, you know, so practically speaking, when you, when you know the Lord, you know your greatest assets are secure, you know your purpose is to serve him and to serve others is more important than yourself, you can start to detach yourself completely from momentum and start to have more absolute values mm. in life. And that's, that's pretty critical. Or, and, and the reason this is critical, even though you asked me about practically, this doesn't sound practical, but it, it is <laughs> yeah. because if you start to have a negative attitude that you're going down and things aren't good, and mm. that is a selfish view that hinders your ability to continue to serve and bless mm. other people. So, um, practically uh, speaking, this this impacts everything. So I can just give give some more examples. Um, you know, investments are a, a, a big one. Um, you know, in terms terms of in, investing money, even try to look for companies that are going to be a blessing to people. Or the GameStop story, inter- you know, lately was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to short companies. Um, just because some, there's a winner and a loser there, or our culture, the culture of our company benefits and in how we pay. But um, cu- culture is interesting. You, you mentioned the Garden of Eden. The word culture actually comes from the word cultivate, which is a garden term, mm-hmm. and so it's actually how we work. And I try to spend a lot of time thinking about how we work, so that way I can provide great benefits for our employees. And uh, so, like, one practical thing we've done is we've been continually increasing at Rent Vision our 401k match. You don't actually get a lot of accolades for your 401k match. People tend to not care about things that impact <laughs> Employees them. don't even notice, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, if they want something that benefits them today, not something that's going to benefit them in 30 or 40 years. Hmm. But I know if I consider their interests as more important – I need to prioritize their long-term future because many of them are not. I mean, studies tell us that, you know, many Americans are not planning and saving for the Mm -hmm. future. So, well, if I took the approach that, um, you know, that that this is the whole purpose of my business is to maximize present value of future cash flows, we would prioritize all the short-term benefits to the max and not deal with the long-term and, and then you would actually do that to entice people to come work for you at lower salary levels. And, uh, and then you kind of get them locked in with the, the benefits. Mm. So we try to pay people well, focus on the long-term benefits, and just you know, do, do the right thing that way um, because that's considering our team members as more important than ourselves. Mm. It's a good practical suggestion for those that are leading others. How about for those that are working for other people? You spent you mentioned this momentum idea of not letting momentum dictate our attitudes and actions. Yeah. How about an employee? How does that impact uh, the way we work? Sure. So I, I, I think um, there's a, a couple things you need to look at, but one is understanding how God has wired you mm-hmm. and just facing the reality of the truth of that. You know, in, in Romans it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought <laughs> to. And I, I think we need to be th- thinking, and, and this for all people, but, you know, how has God really wired me? And how, with that wiring, can I be the greatest blessing to other people? And 
I am amazed at how many people desire to be in people management. Most people are not cut out for people management. <laughs> if everybody managed yeah. other people, you'd have nobody to manage. And yeah, that's true. I got some unfortunate news. People management can be absolutely miserable at times. Mm. But because of compensation, they desire that. I think when you consider others as more important than yourself, you should be looking inwardly at your talents, outwardly at the world and what are the greatest needs and upward at the Lord and what his desire is for you to do. Mm. And if you believe you're intersecting all three of those things in your vocation, that is a great thing to be doing. Mm. Um, But it often won't be the career track that the world tells you to be on. Mm. It's, It's going to be something that blesses other people. Yeah, so it may mean saying no to that promotion, to, to work in a role that you know you're better at. It may mean saying no to that other company that comes headhunting you because yep. you know you can be a blessing where you are. A lot of practical things, I think, flow from from that motivating force. Yep. Very, very good. Well, listeners, I, I know we're already running out of time here. I know we don't have a whole lot, but let, let me let me attempt to, to summarize some of our discussion here for you. We do hope it's been a blessing to you as as you go about your work, whether you find yourself as a leader or whether you find yourself as a follower in a in a different role or season of life, keep keep in mind that our greatest goal is God's glory and then others' good. As a believer, the opportunity to redeem work is through the restored relationship vertically with God, and then the allowance for that restored relationship horizontally and working for, to love others and serve them. Also, keep in mind, you know, David's point of your security needing to be in Christ. You know, your work has a tendency to take over your life and, and you become, your identity becomes wrapped up in your work, like we talked about a few weeks ago. And keep in mind that your security and your eternal security, the, the things that really matter, aren't dependent upon the momentum of the day and aren't dependent upon how things are going, but are really dependent upon what Christ has done for you through the gospel. And then lastly, I love your comment, David, about momentum. As as a business leader, as an individual, keeping those long-term goals in front of yourself instead of just the short-term gains, both as an employer making what are sometimes the difficult decisions that you know is for the better good of those that that follow, or as the employee working for the good of, of a boss that you may not necessarily even get along with all the time. But recognizing that 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 is working and doing everything as unto the Lord and keeping that before yourself. David, any any additional final thoughts for our listeners on this subject? I guess one last thought on that last topic. When you think of God's glory being number one, there's an element of humility. Mm -hmm. You know, work or leading people in the workplace, it's it's not about you, it's not about me, it's it's about God's glory. And that just requires a a humbleness Mm. that is very, very difficult to find in in the world. And it it just requires dying to ourselves. Amen. We, we all pray that as, as employees, as employers, we would be the type of people that would live like Christ, love like Christ, um, have the humility of Christ to recognize that in our work as well. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org.
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.